Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello, and welcome to episode 14, season three of what is going to be a two-part interview on self-pleasuring. This is so informative and was so enjoyable. Buckle in. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. We have two guests today on this podcast. The first is Jeff Living. Jeff is a student and teacher of yoga and any practice that expands the human consciousness. Originally from Atlanta, Georgia, USA, Jeff has explored the world, studying and training extensively in practices ranging from yoga and meditation to shamanic ceremonial traditions. He has assimilated a catalog of impactful life tools that bring people together with high vibes and deep connection to life. Jeff facilitates workshops and trainings that inspire, empower, and connect students to their inner journey and personal transformation. His brand, Hefe Living creates community around meditation and coaching to support individuals with their journey and transformational process. His book, Hefe Living, Guide to Inner Wisdom, is a 30-day meditation journal meant to connect you with a consistent meditation and journaling practice and all the benefits thereof. You can join Jeff in online yoga teacher trainings, workshops, and small group coaching programs. The second guest on our panel is Christy Mack. Christy started off in the adult entertainment industry. Back in 2014, she quit the adult film industry and has joined OnlyFans, as well as guiding those, whether or not they are in or out of the sex industry, to look at how to execute vision, stay on course, and set boundaries. Hello, Anna. Hey, Christina. And hello to our wonderful panel. We have something new for you guys today. Yeah, tell us what we got. Well, we are exploring sexuality and consciousness and spirituality and sexuality. And when we were preparing this season and when we were preparing this series in particular, I was supposed to do an episode on self-pleasure and I was supposed to lead it. And I had this whole big plan. I had this whole big plan to like write a book, but it was interesting because it was really tied in a lot with the mother wound work that I was doing because I just had this feeling that the mother wound and self-pleasure were so hand in hand and that like so many of the kind of thoughts and hangups and kind of almost, you know, feelings that we have about this subject in mainstream society were directly tied into it and needed to be a part of this this conscious sexuality series that we were having and so i started reading intellectually which is how i gain access into anything and i started reading and it was just like over and over and over again every time i was like how am i going to approach this episode it was just like it is an individual experience like it is an individual like the more that you can express and share everybody's individual knowledge and wisdom that they have about their own bodies and even what people have shared with them about their bodies, right? The more that we can expand this kind of network, the more we're going to be able to actually handle this subject in the way that it needs to be handled. The more we can reveal this subject and self-pleasure and solo sex and masturbation, the more that we can reveal this, the more that this can be used as a tool 
of spirituality, right? The more that we can take away the shame and the humiliation that are associated, the more that we can use it for the astounding and amazing tool that it is. And, and even when it's in its most, most, you know, simple form or its most seemingly mundane form, it can be the most transformational thing that we can do. And the more that we can expand our viewpoint beyond just you and me, Anna, the better we are and the more people will be like, oh yes, that's me, that resonates with me. I could totally feel that in myself. So yeah, that's, that's the kind of basis for all of this and how we ended up with our two amazing guests. So without further ado, as you guys know, I would like to introduce our two guests. First, we have Jeff Lester. Jeff, will you please introduce yourselves here for us today? And I'm gonna ask you and put you on the spot and say, if you would like to reveal what your favorite position is for solo sex. And if we're jumping into it too soon, you can say that as well. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Anna, for having me on and wonderful to meet you, Christy. Thank you guys. Wow. What, uh, first of all, just really gratitude for the energetic vibration of our human consciousness, consciousness that is allowing us this conversation right now and allowing us to move through this. And boy, has it been a journey for me too. And, and really as a facilitator, as a yoga teacher trainer, as a student of these practices of elevating and evolving my own consciousness and becoming more aware, life always presents, in my experience, the next step or, the, or another opportunity to grow and to embody and to feel and to move through anything that I'm holding on to that is keeping me from being my most unlimited self. And so when I got uh, the message about coming onto this conversation, Chris was like, Hey, do you want to talk about masturbation? And I was like, Whoa, okay. I'm, 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 Oh, I 99% of the time I'm game. Like I'm game. And then I was like, I, I had a pause because normally when I go on podcasts, I talk about everything that I want to talk about and I've never broached this subject. And so thank you for allowing the space and holding the space and the intimacy of us coming together and sharing these things is, is really profound. And it's something I'd like to, you know, as we're starting this conversation to feel more free in my own self about talking about it, because I have great teachers. I've got guides that inspire me. And, and one of them I'm going to share about later who are very free in this topic. And I've often looked and be like, wow, there's a lot of freedom there. And I want to move towards that. So that is that is me in a nutshell. And what is my favorite self-pleasuring position? Well, I love to, in terms of just physical touch and touching my body and touching and feeling myself, laying laying horizontal on the on my back in bed and, and feeling my body and touching my genitals and whatever I have in a visual sense as well going on. And, and just really the focus will be on that as uptaking the, the pleasure of, and, and how my body wants to move in that experience. And, and I still have, a, I, I definitely have a lot of progression, a lot of curiosity around that because, and I'll go in further this in the future is, you know, typically masturbation for me is, is standing up and, letting it fly and, and being done and whatever that, whatever that entails or, or how, you know, the fantasy or whatever is going on for me, I, I perceive that differently than the way I do it in a much more conscious way where I'm lying on my back and feeling my body and touching and working, working on receiving the, the experience, the, the pleasure in that. So two different aspects, two different aspects, but the, to be more conscious about it or to, to consider it in more of a conscious way where I'm really connecting in with my body and feeling and moving and expressing it how I want. It's, it's lying down on my back, usually shortly after I've woken up and receiving and experiencing that. Wonderful. Thank you so Woo! much, Jeff, I, for that I amazing. Talked. Wow. <laughs> that was good job. So beautiful and so eloquently put. I will never be able to follow that up. <laughs> you will in your beautiful way. You will in your beautiful way. And I would also like to introduce Christy Mack. Christy, thank you so much for being on with us. Tell us about yourself. 
Well, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate you bringing us all together and having this wonderful experience. Well, as you said, my name is Christy Mack. I am a former adult industry performer and current independent content creator. So I guess you could say I am a professional masturbator. It's <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. It is what I do. <laughs> nearly, you nearly get paid for doing what everyone does. <laughs> um, and then, you know, like most people, I did have to overcome a lot of shame in my own body, just kind of feeling like it, like I couldn't accept myself, and nobody else would accept me as I am in my own beautiful, wonderful, amazing self. So through masturbation, which I'm sure we'll get into this topic quite a bit throughout the show, through masturbation, I really learned not only the best way to pleasure myself, but to become more comfortable with myself and my own body and learn what true pleasure was. So I'm really looking forward to diving into this even more through your guys' questions and conversation to kind of help some other people, hopefully, in their own adventure and exploration. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Christy. Do you have a favorite position? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Jeff, you know, laying horizontal. My favorite place is in my own bed. I have a heated mattress. And I like to be warm and comfortable and cozy and feel very secure and comfortable as I masturbate because there is no better feeling than just feel warmth all around you as you know, you're feeling your own pleasure. So I get my vibrator and I'm right to it. <laughs> That's wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much, Christy. Anna, your turn. <laughs> I don't have a creative answer. I feel like we're all saying on our backs, like lying <laughs> on our bed. I think it's just because maybe the majority of us do it before we fall asleep or as we wake up or whatever. But yeah, I think lying on my back. And it's funny because I read this study once when you talked about the warm mattress, Christy, that women are more likely to, to orgasm if they're wearing socks. Like there was some Swedish study about yes. this. And ever since then, I'm like, okay, well, my legs are warm. So like I either have a very heavy blanket or I sleep with socks on for that reason. <laughs> I'm glad that that's what, <laughs> what brought you to the warmth. <laughs> like, warmth is, the heated mattress is very smart. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because I think it ties into sexual energy of the root chakra. Like if the legs are warm, I feel like the, everything kind of flows better. So. Yeah. I'll try to link the study on the show notes if I find it. What about you, Chris? Well, I am going to be the odd person out here in my thing, right? And mine is actually on my stomach. So I I'm I'm a person who likes to I'm on my stomach because it like the weight of it, for one thing, I think it because it calms your vagus nerve, right? So the the vagus nerves that runs. It, like if I had to be intellectual about it, it like it makes me feel, I sleep on my stomach anyway. And so like going to sleep and which is normally when I masturbate, right? Is when I'm about to go to sleep and like it, it, like being on my stomach and having the weight of my body kind of put pressure in the right ways. It's like how I've always done it ever since I was a kid. So like, I think in some ways I feel like I have room for like expanding and exploring that. But, and I also recognize that even in the way I do it now, there's a fair amount of like, like it took me years to be okay with, and we'll get into this, but it took me years to be okay with like actually touching. It was always, there was always cloth, right? Like I was always on top of clothes when mm -hmm. I was doing it on my stomach. So there was something, it was very interesting. It's been a very interesting evolution, which we can get into later, but like for even now i'm so i would say i'm lazy about it in the sense that i'm like i'm on my stomach and i don't take off anything and i'm just like we're gonna do this this way on top of the clothes and that's the kind of comforting way of doing it right because i feel that stimulation in my chest where my vagus nerve feels like it's calming me and then i feel like i'm in a place where i can relax enough to be able to to have that kind of experience so yeah yeah. All right. I feel like I'm going to have to try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I ha 
had an ex-boyfriend who like said that as a child, he would get a piece of cloth and masturbate onto the cloth laying down, like you're saying, and that he still as an adult did it. I think cloth, soft cloth. Yeah. Could be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely expand on it more when we get into this next question, which was, do you have a memory of your first time self-pleasuring and, you know, well, how has the experience evolved for you is kind of a bigger question. So we're just going to stick with like, what, what was your first time self-pleasuring and kind of go from there? Christy, do you want to do Do you want to start this time? Do you have a memory of it? I do actually. Um, I think my, I had to have been 13, maybe 14 years old. So I was a little bit of a late bloomer on that. I know I'm slightly off the curve. I didn't even lose my virginity until I was about 18 years old. So I am a little bit of a, a sexual late bloomer, but I had to have been 13 or 14. And I actually, my first, I guess you could call it device to try and masturbate with was a balloon. So I blew up a balloon and I thought because it was cylindrical, you know, I, I tried to make it work. Obviously a balloon is not firm enough to masturbate with. And I don't know how I got that thought in my head, but that was 100% the first thing that I tried to masturbate with. And obviously I've evolved quite a bit since then, starting through when I was maybe 16 years old, I finally figured out I could use my own fingers to pleasure myself. And from there it was just, game over. I haven't stopped since, essentially. <laughs> I just got done masturbating about an hour ago. Maybe TMI, but that's what we're here for. That's what, that's, that's what we're here for. So throughout the years, I just kind of became, instead of an insertion person, an outer stimulation person mm -hmm. and really learned my body that way. I think it kind of came about from, I was 19 years old and about to get married and at my bachelorette party my mother-in-law and sister-in-law they got me sex toys and it was the first time that i had actually thought that there was a toy specifically for that mm -hmm. because i didn't really watch masturbation porn or it you know, a lot of people see like their, their mom had a vibrator or a dildo in their side table growing up or whatever. I never had that experience. So when I was 19 and finally got a vibrator from my own bachelorette party, I really learned that that was 100% it for me. So I eventually just became enthralled with these tools and the exploration of my own body through using sex toys and even now today i'm still discovering new sex toys and pleasure devices to use not even in solo masturbation but masturbation with my partner whoever that might be at the time whether it's a man or a woman so i have these boxes sent to me through different companies and they just kind of include whatever toys that they want to be tried out or whatever they're trying to sell at the time. And I'm still, even to this day, discovering new pleasure devices. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Christy. No, that's, that's really, that's a, it's awesome too, that your, your family members were the ones that first gave you sex toys too, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's always been a very open, non-taboo thing in my own family, as well as the people that I choose to be my family. It's, sex has never been such a taboo, you know, no, we don't talk about that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anna, do you want to go next? I'm going to be changing up the order as we go through okay. to, to kind of... Yeah. Well, a family member introduced me to masturbation. As a child, I was four. She said, put these building blocks, you know, like those little blocks that you build houses with. She goes, put these in your panties and walk around and it feels really good. And I was like, oh, okay. So I did it. And I was like, damn, she's right. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> so I have this doll named Larry that I still have, but I haven't used him. I haven't abused him in the same way. And he's like a cloth doll, but he has a hard face. Kind of like how Cabbage Patch dolls had that hard plasticky face. Mm -hmm. So I would basically sit on Larry's face <laughs> as a child, 
but I don't think I actually orgasmed until I was much older, but yeah, I would basically sit on Larry's face and just rock back and forth. And that was, that did it for me as a child. And then I guess it, you could say it evolved because we all went to a sex toy shop when we were like 18 or 17 as a joke, but then we all started buying stuff. <laughs> Like it was me and a bunch of high school friends. And we were like, we're going to go to a sex shop. It'll be funny. But then we were like, wait, I actually do want to try this stuff. And so, you know, I got into vibrators then, but I haven't gotten creative with vibrators really. I mean, I just have basically one standard one. And then there was this one that had the most hilarious views on Amazon that I was crying, laughing, reading the review. So I bought that one, but yeah, that's basically been it for me. And it's evolved also in the sense that I never needed to fantasize. Like I could just stimulate myself and have orgasms. And like one time my friend and I, we were masturbating, like we weren't in a sexual relationship, but we were both masturbating in the same room. And she's like, Oh, I'm thinking about so-and-so. And I was like, Oh, I'm just thinking about myself, like how it feels. And then it's like, she planted this idea in my mind of a fantasy, which I had up to that point, this was in college. So I was like 20. I never actually had to have a fantasy. And then it's almost like she cursed me. Cause then from like then on, I always needed a storyline to actually come. And it's and not always, but usually, and it's kind of annoying. Cause I have to like get in my head and imagine all these things and the buildup and the lead up. And I kind of miss that old me that could just touch myself without thinking about anything, but the physical feelings and come. So that's my evolution. Awesome. Thank you, Anna. Jeff. Wow. I'm learning a lot and I'm loving it. First of all, I pre- I'm really happy to follow you, Anna, because the, I would definitely identify with the fantasy aspect of it, or I definitely experience like the fantasy has been a big part for me. And it's something I'm very curious about as, you know, understanding my process in my mind. And then hearing your evolution, Christy, is, is amazing and fascinating. I, I, I guess I'm a late bloomer also because I was thir- 13 or 14 very different upbringing. And and I felt a lot of enclosure and a lot of distance from the conversations around sexuality. So my, and growing up in the South as well as I think is a part of it. And my first orgasm happened when I found in my dad's I don't think he'll ever listen to this. So we keep at the top of the closet in the bathroom. I found pornography and I watched it. And that was my, that was my first real sex education. And until then self-pleasuring would have been just touching and, and never had I had an orgasm before that, but I saw it and I figured out what the hell is, is going on down there. And <laughs> that really leads me to this long journey of there is a sense of shame and a sense of having to hide that experience. So I would go into, I would get the, for, I don't know how long, but I, I would get to the pornos and I would watch and I would masturbate. And so it, it started immediately with fantasy and seeing pornography and seeing it in that way and, and needing that, thinking that was what it took for me to have an orgasm. And for many years, it evolved from the, the VHS tapes to the internet and finding pornography on the internet and masturbating to it there. And it's very interesting because I found that the word that I wanted to use was, wasn't, isn't like an addiction or a dependence. It was more like an escapism. It became more of an escapism for me. And I, I actually, part of this conversation, I think is involving me being very overweight and being in the kind of body that was not safe, feeling safe and comfortable at home. And you talked about the mother wound and boy, have I experienced a lot of healing and a lot of working through my process with that. And I can really look back to my childhood and see, I I didn't feel safe in my body. I didn't feel comfortable. And so that translated to how I approached masturbation and it felt like it needed to be, um, very far away from any, you know, there was hiding it. It felt like uh, it needed to be clandestine, secretive and everything like that. Wouldn't talk about it. It wasn't until college that I had friends that would talk about masturbation, male friends. And I'd, I'd very interested to see like the male genesis of, you know, if there's any difference in, in how it feels relative to having the conversation. But it was very liberating in a sense to, to talk with other male friends that, you know, just talked about masturbation lightly and and had the, didn't have this heaviness and the shame around it because I certainly carried that. 
And many times I almost got caught masturbating or I was masturbating and had to wrap every, you know, clothe myself really quickly. So I didn't feel like I'd been exposed or caught by that. So I definitely felt that heaviness and a lot of shame around it for many years. And I got to this part, this place where it was definitely an escapism, where it was a once or twice a day thing where I would, you know, access pornography and watch it. And it was totally a, a way of procrastinating more than, than really doing what I was, should have been doing. And, and this probably being in the disconnection of, I mentioned earlier before we got on that I was an engineer before, and I was really in a place where I didn't necessarily like what I was doing. And so anytime I could find an escape from that was, was great. And if I could have an orgasm as an escape, that even better. It wasn't until I left college and and really i lost weight too the the weight loss journey was a huge significant impact on my perception of my body and my physicality and really starting to recognize that i love movement and i love to move my body and and exercise my body and and that shifted my confidence personally but i also started to to want to develop and, and go towards a more natural route. And I recognized that the art, like watching pornography felt very artificial for me and especially the escape aspect of it. And so at some point in my early twenties, I, I just decided that I stop would stop watching pornography. And there's a lot of, you know, I was curious in my own secretive way about how, like, we don't have these open conversations. At least I wasn't having these open conversations, how powerful and amazing and healing it is to have an open conversation around sexuality because it definitely wasn't a part of my upbringing and i would research what is what happens if i stop masturbating or what happens if i you know there's tons of men out there that are that you know say no fat or or don't masturbate for this period of time and there's even now as i've explored more esoterically in the spiritual side of it there's a there's an energetic result to that. There's an energetic consequence to that as well. And so as I started getting more into my own personal growth and development, I started being more curious around what is the energetic impact of this? How is it influencing my life? And I, t- I cut out the pornography because it, in one sense, it felt, it also felt dirty. And I know there's that sense of shame. It felt like, you know, I had something I had to hide. It wasn't something I wanted to talk about. Certainly not to anybody that I was real, you know, close to, and I felt like they would judge me for it. So that was definitely something I went away from because it, it felt like I needed to hide it. And I wanted to be a good boy. And I wanted to be out of that kind of judgment field. And it was more when I got into yoga and spirituality that I started to, and, and, and my own self-development in terms of awareness and consciousness, that I started to pay attention to my energy and my how I could focus throughout the day. And if, if masturbating had any impact on that and my, it also creativity and everything like that, being very curious, but these are very subtle things I find. And so today, and for the last several years, I masturbate very, like it's more occasionally, it's more when I have the urge and it's wrapped around fantasy still. So it's like a a closing my eyes and and a visualizing the scenario, like you were saying, Anna, and that's, that's, one actually it's i think it's part of how my mind works and part of my personality is that that really is that gets me into my body it gets i feel the heat i feel the excitement the joy the pleasure of that of of a fantasy and i also am curious around you know if that feels if there's any judgment or heaviness or shame around having the fantasy as well which is interesting rather than just the pure uptake receiving of self-pleasuring which is something i've gotten into the last few years, thanks to a wonderful teacher and a, and a wonderful methodology around yoga and body work, which is all about the uptaking of pleasure, whether this isn't in the context of masturbation, but when we're doing body work with somebody, it's to create an energetic exchange where there's receiving and giving and receiving and giving simultaneously. And I found that the first time I worked with this teacher and did, did the program, so transformational because it started to confront the shame that I had around conversation with the opposite sex, conversation with somebody who I was attracted to, because I would even feel a barrier 
a shame around voicing my attraction to somebody. So that, that definitely runs deep in me and it could be from this life and it could even be prior to that or ancestrally or coming in through my family. So it's been a, a very interesting journey. And what I really appreciate now is, is the ability that there's two different ways I mentioned before. It's like, yes, I'll, I can masturbate and I can use the fantasy and I can have an orgasm. And I can also touch my body and move my body and, and, and really feel pleasure and, and developing. And I've cultivated this faculty of, and I think this is more feminine. This is more what I perceive you guys, when you're talking about your experience, having is just a sensual receiving and pleasureful experience of touching my body, which is very profound and has definitely created shifts in, in how I see like, for example, trauma or mother, the mother wound manifesting in my life, if, if anything triggers that. And I have a story that I'd like to share around this, my teacher that that's particularly influential for me in this, his name is Jambo, and he's an amazing uh, individual, and he's very free and very wise in this capacity. And he's the one teaching around the, the, the eros, the er energy of eros, the uptaking, the pleasure, the receiving of touch, of touch itself, independent of orgasm. And I was in a, one hell of a experience. I know astrologically the stars played their role in it, but I was definitely in a part where I, I, the last couple of years I've been confronted with this healing around my mother wound big time and what a gift that is and what a gift it is to have teachers and, and guides to support that. And he um, channeled a ritual for me to carry out that was all around self-pleasuring and self, self-pleasuring, self-touch. And it ended in masturbation too. And it was all around working with the mother wound and what happened what one very interesting shift physiologically is that another thing that i did and i say this because it, it's it's very interesting that the unconscious things that can shift when we allow ourselves to feel and allow ourselves to move that energy and ever since i was a little boy i would suck my thumb it was another coping mechanism and i sucked my thumb until i was a teenager like day and night. And then when I eventually decided I needed to stop that because that wasn't acceptable, I would still set my thumb at night. And that, you know, the idea of that not being acceptable is again, rooted in shame, but I'd still set my thumb at night. And this carried on until like a year and a half ago when I did this process that was like a prescription, like a ritual prescription. And I never have had ever since then, I have never had the desire like to go to bed and, and, like self placate with sucking my thumb or in any, in any way, whether it was unconscious or conscious. So it was like, it's so funny how that dipped into something very deep and pulled something out. Yeah. That's like a mother wound thing. Right. Or totally. yeah. 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 And it's so interesting too, what you say about the touch. Cause we, we, we talk about that in the mother wound series. We talk about how giving yourself the touch that you didn't receive when you were yeah. younger, right? It's just yeah. like you're filling up the bucket that has always wanted to be filled, right? And has looked to so many other places to fill it or has always felt shame from not having not, from basically, you know, seeming to carrying around an empty bucket, right? That hasn't been filled in that way. And so you kind of go looking elsewhere. So that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing that that journey. Thank that's, you guys for listening. That's, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. So. It's interesting because you guys have given me so much insight. I've just been like the whole time I've been listening to you. I'm just like, oh my God, that's I'm like, it's, it's fascinating that the, the episode itself as it usually is, is like giving me insight into myself because, you know, I was thinking about fantasy, which you guys were saying about fantasy. And that is my, that's what I remember as my formative experience that it was, it was a very mind's eye like i was going to a place and i was getting very very involved in this story and the only thing that grounded me back in my body was the experience of of stimulating myself in some way right and it took it, it took years right this was probably starting around six is when i keep saying it's around when i was six i would have these dreams right? Which is what I'm like, my intuitive and psychic sense comes a lot through dreams. And I would have these dreams. And in these dreams, these things would be happening. And then 
I would stimulate myself and it was almost like that was the only way I could ground it in my body. And it was like, I realize mm. now, like listening to you guys and like feeling myself is that I think it was the way that I could straddle both worlds, right? That I like, because that imaginary world, because that psychic world and that dream world was so rich and vivid for me, like self stimulation was what brought me back into my body, but what also grounded the experience. It's like, it, it like bridged, it formed a bridge. That's what it feels like, right? Like, cause I can remember, like if I'm having this experience in my mind as a six year old of like water, I just remember water and a man walking out of the water and I just remember being so stimulated by that. It. it was nothing, it was all very like mild and gentle in terms of, you know, there was no, I didn't even have an understanding or knowledge of anything more advanced. And yet it felt like the pleasure was the bridge between, it made that real for me, right? Because mm. the stimulation that was happening in my mind made it so that it was real, that even if I was stuck in this world, with all the hurt and pain and trauma and things that I experienced in this world, I could take that world and make it just a little bit real by putting it into my body. So I just like, uh, I, that was what the insight that was coming up as I was like, yeah, that's, that's totally what the beginning experiences were. But I, I went kind of very similar to the path that you did, Jeff, in terms of like, after those like first experiences, I found books that my dad had. I found The Joy of Sex, which is like a book from the 70s. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen this book, but it has like actually really beautifully drawn illustrations. And they're very 70s, right? Like they're very whatever. But I found this book and that was like, yeah, everyone's got a mustache everywhere, right? <laughs> it's very, it's very, but it was just like, it was so beautiful because I was like reading it and I was like reading about this kind of almost spiritual aspect of it. And that like kind of became my, my pornography. And then I found a book on fantasy. It was just like a regular reading book of fantasy. And I think that's what started me off on being like, I'm like a literotica person. Right. Whereas I like I want to get in the story so much that reading the story and reading something is so much more stimulating than visual. Right. Because it, it allows me to like create the story in my head. And so like I do remember there was a the it was channel 99 and it was like the scrambled porn right like that you could have the scrambled porn and if you watched it for long enough then you could see a body part or you could see something happening like if they weren't doing a bad job of scrambling the porn I oh my god i remember that <laughs> i definitely did that for a while <laughs> so there was some visual and i definitely did move more into the pornography way but it was really centered on that story for me it was like so you know as i grew up it was like the more i could get my hands on stories that really like created and set up everything the more it could aid in my own fantasy world and like and the more i could anchor it in my own body and i had had a, several of you i had a pillow not a not a doll but i had a pillow and i think that's one of the larry reasons I, <laughs> I had a larry but it was like a pillow and it had these like nice little ribbons around the outside of it and the poor thing the the cotton inside of it was just so messed up by the end of it yeah it was just really <laughs> and so, but I think that's what started, that's what started me on the whole over the clothes thing, right? Was because the pillow and the pressure from the pillow over my clothes was allowed me to, to get rid of the shame thing. Cause I could stop really quickly. If anything happened, I could immediately jump up. Right. And so like, you know, the stealing aspect of it, you know, the stealing of like one time my dad caught me trying to buy porn with a credit card and he was like, I have to talk to you about this, but he never mentioned what it was. He was just like, this is the thing, you know, that that happened. And there was a lot of shame associated with it. So the pillow allowed me to be less direct and more able to be secretive about it. So yeah. So interesting. All right. So a question that I have a follow up. So Jeff, you talked about the first time you had an orgasm. Christy, do you remember the first time you had an orgasm? I don't know if I can pinpoint the exact time that it was but i know that it was shortly after i was married i was using the toys that i got at that bachelorette party in just kind of figuring things out i never achieved orgasm you know obviously not from the balloon or <laughs> through digital penetration or anything like that so 
I was still very young at 19, sexually inexperienced and really figuring things out with these toys because I nobody showed me how to use them. I just kind of figured it out. How does the vibration work? Where do I put this? How does my body work? Because obviously in school you have minimal sexual education that doesn't necessarily cover masturbation or pleasure in any way. It's kind of the bare minimum. So figuring out how to pleasure myself right after high school was definitely a ride. So shortly after I was married and I was exploring with these toys, I remember laying on the mattress and playing with one of the vibrators. It was a like a rabbit dildo that kind of swirled but had a vibrator on the top and I remember it was blue and I got it from the bachelorette party. So I was playing with this and figuring it out and I had the most intense orgasm that I can recall even to this day. And I'm sure it wasn't my first one, but this is the first time that I remember actually physically seeing come <laughs> from my own body. And I was just, wow, that was intense. Like I've never felt anything like this through partnered sex. Like it was just, it, beyond me even to this day like remembering that and how intense it was and how good it felt and how amazing I felt about my own body feeling just intense pleasure in doing that on my own uh, so that's the first memory achieving orgasm that I can really remember I'm sure there were more before that but that was top tier <laughs> still to this day. I love how you say memory memory worthy. This is the oh, memory yeah, that worthy was experience. <laughs> that is so awesome. That's so awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Jeff, did you want to add anything else about your first orgasm? I just wanted to give you a chance if you wanted to add anything about it. I know you did a great job of, of discussing it in your last question. Similar to that of just a mind blowing fireworks experience of, whoa, that was different. That's what I was looking for in that very, in that very first experience that I shared with you. Because what's fascinating to me is noticing there's an evolution that I think for men, we, we tend to focus like orgasm is going to happen. So it's like, once you figure out how to have an orgasm as a man, it's like, that's pretty replicable. And, and what I'm hearing is a developing of more of the sensual touch and self-pleasuring outside of orgasm mm. and, and including orgasm, but outside of orgasm that, that I'm connecting with more now is like a, a really sensual touching and pleasing and in that way. And I definitely had that before the first orgasm I had when I was 13 or 14. But when I had the orgasm and, and obviously the cum and, and like, I was like, oh, it was like that. It was like, oh my gosh, that was incredible. And then I felt a little bit shameful the rest of the day. So it was very, it was very interesting, the different, very different relationship with it. I'm so happy to be, it's very healing to listen to you guys and just have the freedom of expression around it. It's very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to go me, Anna, and then you. Sure. Um, so it's interesting because I spent years in that self-pleasure place. There wasn't a goal. There wasn't an agenda. I didn't even know there was a thing to happen, right? And it was only when a boy in sixth grade sex ed, we I went to like an alternative school where you know, everybody was in the same room and they brought in like doctors to, you know, OBGYN, basically uh, it was a mother and a father who who had a kid in the class and they allowed us to have a form where basically they we could ask any question we wanted and then and then we, they would pick it from a hat and then they would either answer it or they'd ask somebody else to answer it and so somebody in the class there was a boy in my class who the question was what is an orgasm and having never heard the word before even though i obviously didn't do that good of a job of reading the joy of sex if that was the case but you know um <laughs> 
he he was like well an orgasm is this and they were like and then he was like and then a girl a woman a girl's orgasm is this and i was like whoa like i did i was just like this boy in my class like opened up the whole world for me and i'm pretty sure it was probably that night or the next day that i was just like oh oh there's a point to this right there's a there's a, oh okay we're going somewhere there's a journey and the journey has a destination but the fascinating thing about that is that like you know I, when I was reading, when I did the episode on sexual functioning, right, when I, I, there was a book that we were reviewing, basically, that we were covering, which was called Come As You Are. And it's a really fantastic book. And one of the things that was so interesting about it was they were like, that whole same thing of like, there's no one orgasm. Like, there's just no, there's no way that you can be like, this is a vaginal orgasm, and this isn't a clitoral orgasm, or this is a glands orgasm, and this is an anal orgasm, or whatever you want to say. Like, you know, there's so much classification of what orgasm is and all of it's just total bullshit. Like a lot of it is Freud, kind of a Freudian understanding of like a vaginal, like everything is about the vagina for a woman and therefore vaginal orgasms are the best, even though it's something like less than 20% of women, if not even lower than that, but less than 20% of women actually have an orgasm purely from vaginal, vaginal stimulation or vaginal penetration. So like all the things I learned from that, has helped me to be like, I kind of did think of my orgasm as like a bucket of like, it's like, it's like orgasm or no orgasm for the longest time. Like, I really thought that it was like, that was the point, right? You know, it was like, it was like, it's so funny how all of us have kind of almost mentioned the fact that before we were informed of how things were supposed to be, we actually were doing things in a more natural way that listened to our bodies, right? That didn't need to have a final destination, right? That was just like, I'm going to enjoy the fantasy of this and I'm going to enjoy the experience of it coming into my body and it doesn't have to have an agenda, right? And, and, and that's kind of where my evolution of my orgasm has come. It's like, as soon as I, so to speak, the, you know, is, sorry, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> um, is that getting over the need to orgasm as an agenda item, both in my own self-pleasure and in my, my partnership, has been so crazy liberating for me. Because suddenly, I don't know, it's like I want something more. Like, I'm just like, I've done the orgasm. I don't even care. Like, get all the names away for it. I've done that over and fucking over again. Like, I want to go to the next, where's the next place? Like maybe it's not a destination. Maybe it's just a space that exists beyond the orgasm as the as the final destination. Like it's it's what goes on beyond that that I'm just like, I'm really fucking excited to get there. <laughs> That's where I am with that. So, <laughs> uh, Anna. Well, I actually had my first orgasm before, obviously before buying those vibrators in the sex shop. Obviously, <laughs> let's just start there. Um, with actually a boyfriend who was pleasuring me with his hands, and he was very patient. And I had my first orgasm, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's that's different," and it was awesome. So yeah, that was my first experience. And then I've actually had, which I think I took a sex quiz somewhere, and I think it's a small percentage, but I know now it's not that weird. I've actually had orgasms in other parts of my body. So like when I had body work, I have had orgasms light up like all my chakras. And I had my first, just, just the throat chakra. I had a throat orgasm for the first time in a restaurant in New York where I was eating food. And I was with my friend who I was really comfortable with. And I suddenly experienced throat orgasm, which I don't even know could happen, but it was like things started constricting and just like when the vagina starts contracting with like spasms of pleasure, it was like my throat started spasming in pleasure. And I felt waves of pleasure in my throat. And it's happened a handful of times. I've never like Googled this phenomenon happening, but like last night we went out to dinner at this restaurant and we got a really good appetizer. It always happens with appetizers, I think, because they're like really rich and it almost started happening, but we were in the company of friends. So I was like, okay, I can't eat this anymore because like these people are not going to be cool. If I was suddenly just be like, Oh my God, my throat. So anyways, I've experienced orgasms, not just in my genitals. So I don't know if anyone else has experienced that or knows of people who experience that, but it's, it's really fun. And I don't know how to replicate that, but I'm definitely going to order those with fried rice balls next time I go back to that restaurant. <laughs> Anyways, has anybody, yeah, does anybody want to add anything about orgasm since we're kind of like touching on that subject now? Any other thoughts that have come up? 
I would like to share in this, in this conversation around really sensing and being in the body. And, and this is, this is the big breakthrough for me is receiving that pleasure, choosing to receive that pleasure mm-hmm. through the yoga practice, through moving my body and allowing it's a completely non-aesthetically intended yoga practice of just moving my body and going in and feeling and allowing the deep breath to release things. And in that experience, I wouldn't call it orgasmic in my, in a sexual way, or like, it doesn't quite feel the same, but it is incredibly full of pleasure and delicious of letting things release through, through the yoga practice, through the breath, through the movement that this particular style of yoga that's, well, again, going back to that, to Jambo, when we're practicing, one thing I'd been teaching and practicing yoga for, for years before going to one of his classes and in this style called forest yoga is what he primarily teaches, but he adds in a whole bunch of his own philosophy and methods as well. People go in that class and one of the hallmarks of that practice is relaxing your neck. So speaking of the throat, throat chakra, and then what is encouraged or what is naturally facilitated is, is the sound of release of just pure ploy, pure pleasure and, and joy of that experience, of that sensation. And I remember going in to the first couple of classes and I was like, what the hell is that person doing? Making moaning and having sex in their yoga practice and and everything like that. And I, and at first I noticed being more judgmental to it. And then pretty soon I was like, well, I want to do that too. I want that. And wow, what a practice. So in, in or, an orgasmic yoga practice where really orienting the attention to feeling in the body, what the body wants, that creating that listening for the comfort for the body and going there and breathing there and allowing the beautiful unraveling of that so delicious, so good, so taught such pleasure in that o- orgasmic in a different way. Yeah, I mean, like the throat, I call them throat orgasm because it feels just the same because it's yes. like warm and it's waves of pleasure. Yes, but it's like I'm not necessarily sexually aroused, but I think energy is universally neutral, like all energy is sexual because all energy is energy right. and, and people just name it different things to shame it. But my theory is how better to castrate society than to make you shameful of the very thing you are, which is energy. Thank and you. So, yeah. So anyways, but yeah, but to me, it feels exactly the same as a, as a, you know, as a vaginal or clitoral orgasm. It's just like amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of different orgasms in my life, but I want that one. I'll give you the name of the restaurant. I'm just <laughs> Please do. <laughs> it's like a feeling of like the food feels really good. And then just settling in there and being like, 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 can I give my 100% focus to how good this feels in my throat? And then before I know it, it starts to tingle and then expand. Mm. Oh, that sounds wonderful. It's it's fun. (laughs) Can can I ask you a specific question given like your, your background and everything? Like, I'm really curious about this because so I had, okay. I, I have, I had a Tantra teacher once who said that in the experience of specifically the feminine energy, having an orgasm, if you wanted to say that there was a distinction, not necessarily female, but like the feminine energy orgasm, whatever you want to say. It's, it's basically spiritual energy or it's like, it's Jeff, you can probably do a better job of explaining Shakti than I can at this moment. Do you want to give a brief explanation of Shakti? No, uh, you're, you're on it. The, okay, the cool. feminine rising up of energy. Right. Specifically is Shakti. And I've always been curious in the adult, you know, the adult film industry, because I feel like if I see a woman orgasm, I can usually tell if it's real or not because I can sense on an intuitive level whether or not it is, right? So I'm curious like what your kind of feedback is in, in, like, in providing that entertainment, like what is your kind of experience with showing orgasm? So masturbation or orgasm for me in work and for myself, totally different experience totally different. okay 
totally different, but that's just me specifically. I know some women that I've worked with that 100% they are having real orgasms. Like they are just forgetting the cameras, forgetting all the people on set, living in the moment, not concerned about what their body looks like or any of that. I have never been able to relax enough or a decade ago, I was never able to relax enough to really let myself live in the moment and enjoy what was happening. But sometimes it's impossible to enjoy what's happening after you've been having sex for the past six hours and you know, you're just calling for lube and you're just not necessarily feeling that pleasure. Mm. So sometimes you do have to fake it on camera. I faked it 100% of the time on camera. I feel completely comfortable saying that because we're all adults and we should all know that pornography is not an educational tool. It is a show. It's like watching a TV show. It's entertainment. But in my personal life, I am completely silent when I masturbate, which isn't very showy at all. Nobody would know if I was orgasming because I just turn my vibrator off, I'm done, I'm good, my body feels wonderful. I'm gonna sit there and feel it for as long as it lasts, which I could never get away with if I were to try to, to sell that. So for me, totally different experiences. Oh, that's really good. That's Thank you so much, Christy, for sharing that. Cause that's, I mean, that's obviously what we all suspect is the case, right? When it comes <laughs> with, with most situations. Well, yeah, yeah, cameras on you, you're working. It's probably a different feeling. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like I swimming for pleasure versus swimming on the swim team. I feel like it'd be like one's more enjoyable and one's work. <laughs> yeah, I, I was definitely in work mode. Even if it did feel good, if the penetrative sex did feel good, you're still in a position most of the time where your leg is up in a certain way. There's somebody pointing a camera inside your vagina. So it's, it's you're never going to be living in the moment and feeling good and comfortable and you might be feeling sexual and you might be feeling pleasure but i was never able to achieve full orgasm so some women can it just it wasn't for me yeah yeah i can, I can imagine that and, and and like you said like it's it's interesting too like i the the quiet secret not secret but the quietness of of your of your practice now right of that practice is probably reflective of just like this is me this is mine i don't need to show or perform for anything other than experiencing my own self right absolutely it's my own time it's my personal environment and i get to feel what i feel i don't have to put on a show i don't have to make noise i don't have to do anything unnecessary I'm just trying to pleasure myself and enjoy my time to myself. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for joining us on this first part of our self-pleasure panel. Be sure to join us next week when we talk more in depth about the spiritual practice of self-pleasure, as well as learn some interesting factoids about it. Do you listen to your podcast on iTunes? Be sure to leave us a review. Everyone helps us stay on the chart. And remember... Humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Hi, y'all. Listening to the last season of This Spiritual Fix may have stirred up for you some awareness of how the mother wound ties into so many of our subconscious needs and desires in our daily lives. Well, we've put together a comprehensive five-week course on this mother wound, complete with meditations, journal prompts, and never-before-seen videos and lectures. This course is designed for you to heal your personal and cosmic attachment wounds, reparent yourself, and surrender to the Great Mother. This course is an intense experience for spiritual seekers, and maybe you're not ready for something that intense yet. So we've put together our version of what we call the Shadow Work Essentials course, the Mother Wound Mini to give you access and awareness to this wound with tools to process your energy and to remember the Cosmic Mother's love for you. I cannot emphasize enough how much this work has changed my relationship with my partner, my kids, my family, and the world. It can be life-changing for you too. Go to our shop, www.thisspiritualfix.com forward slash shop for more details. 
Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.